Good morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get things started right now. I always have to say good morning a couple of times, start talking for a few minutes, and let the crowd noise die down. Let me just say, though, I absolutely love that. There's so much conversation going on that it's hard to, like, get things started. I don't know if I love it this much. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I do. I absolutely love it. I love to see this community going on, and I love that it happens naturally. And I'm so happy to have our tables back and to be able to get in groups like this and talk things over and just build in this discussion time to uh, our study time in the Word. So, uh, in the interest of making sure we have plenty of that discussion time, I'm just going to run through these announcements real quick, and then I'm going to hand things over to Dave. Um, make sure, if you aren't already, to get our text messages, to get updates about what's going on, what we're doing, the addresses where small groups are meeting, things like that, via text at HB Converge to 81010. Um, that's how we get announcements out to you guys as quickly as possible. We try not to, you know, send you too much stuff over that, just a few text messages a week about what's going on and things to expect. Uh, one of the that's a little bit odd in the near schedule coming up in the near future is for VBS we're actually going to be taking two weeks off in here so uh, it's the July 4th Sunday it's just going to be the one service inside and then the Sunday before that what's that the 27th the 27th is going to be a combined service outdoors at 9 a.m. So just to remind you, make sure that you show up at the right time so you know where you're going. That's the kind of stuff that we like to get that information out to you about. Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7, there are small groups that meet either at the, the Sumi's house or at the Velez's house. Um, Second Corinthians is really meaty. There's just a lot of great truth to dig into. And uh, if we spent the amount of time that each verse in that deserves, then we'd be doing that for the entire next year or, uh, or longer. And in the interest of being able to make it through these series in a reasonable amount of time, Dave just kind of picks what he thinks is going to be best to focus on for you guys. And then we have some opportunities in throughout the week to dig into some of the stuff that we weren't able to cover in here as heavily. So it's a great opportunity to be able to get really into this material and dig into the word together. And then on Wednesdays, um, how many people have been able to make it out to the, the forests for the bonfire so far? I know there have been a, a decent crowd out there, despite, what, rain two weeks in a row? <laughs> it's like, hey, come out for a bonfire in the rain, and people still show up. So I can't wait to see what turnout looks like, and it's not actually uh, thunder and lightning out there. But if you haven't been able to make it out there yet, I'd encourage you. It's a real loose atmosphere um, out at the forests on Wednesday nights, anytime between 7 and 11. So, you know, if you don't normally get off work until after the small groups are going. This is still an opportunity to come out and uh, check everything out and hang out with people for a little while. Um, this is a little bit less about digging into the scripture and, and uh, getting to some of the questions from the lesson and more just about getting together by a fire and talking and, and building this, uh, fellowship and relationships. So um, we had announced before that there's going to be a hike on the 26th. So I've been promising more details for a little bit. Here's, uh, here's more details. Uh, the 26th, we're going to go to Panther Falls. I guess hike probably should have air quotes around it because this is, if, if you're a hiker, this is a really short hike. But it's still, it's outdoors. 
uh, it'll be fun. There's uh, water. <laughs> so it's about uh, an hour drive from here. We'd like to meet up at the church and get going about 8 a.m. and then go out there, hang out for the afternoon or for the, uh, for the morning and then come back about midday. So um, if you're interested in doing that, each table has one of these sign-up sheets in the middle. Uh, please get your name and phone number on there so that I can get you details, let you know how things are going, what the plan is, and uh, I'll combine all the information from all these sheets later and kind of shoot out some, uh, some info about what's going on. If you think you might go but you're not certain, uh, please go ahead and get your name on there just so that you don't miss out on info. What you got, Isaac? Nice, okay. Uh, I, I, so I've been there time, uh, but we'll, fi we'll figure it out. That's, I appreciate it. That's a good heads up. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I think I went like sophomore year of undergrad. So that's got to be, I don't know, like 30, 40 years ago now, it seems like. So. <laughs> hey, worst case scenario, then you actually get the hike part of it, right? So. You know, either way, this will all work out. Okay, I think that's all I've got for you guys today. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn things over to Dave. Um, please make sure and get your name on there if you think you might be interested. And uh, yeah, so great to see you guys all today. You know what? I'm going to open us up in prayer real quick now that I've got you standing up here awkwardly. <clears throat> Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to get together to dig into scripture together. Thank you so much for the testimonies we heard this morning about uh, what it looks like to intentionally look for opportunities to share you with the world around us. I pray that you would open our eyes to those opportunities, that you'd help us to, to keep an eye out for those situations, to be in tune with the spirit, to be in your word, so that we have your words to share with other people, that we have your gospel in our heart constantly. I pray that you would uh, bring passage back to mind when we need it most that you'd help us to, to get a lot out of this message today and just that you'd be with Dave and give him your words for us today. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Um, we found a phone left, uh, where was it, in the restroom? We, we found a phone. If you lost your phone, let me know. We, we've got it for you. Uh, maybe not all of you. I don't know how many have lost phone. We have one phone that was found. If you can, uh, if you can tell me uh, what picture is on the lock screen, then I'll, oh, we might be able to identify that. All right. Um, also, one more announcement in, in our announcement heavy time here this morning. Um, on July the 2nd, this is not going to be able, we're not going to be able to announce this like right before it happens, so tuck this away. If you've been uh, wondering about a way you could participate with VBS, but you couldn't commit to that week or, or um, however it shook out in your life. Um, there is one spot where Pastor Kent has asked us specifically if we have the ability to, to come and help out. And that is if you have a flexible schedule, okay, which happens in the summer sometimes. Um, Friday morning, July the 2nd, Friday morning, July the 2nd, that's the day after VBS ends. Uh, they are going to turn the church from a safari back into a church. And so they need as many people here to help move things and take things down and reset things and, and so on and so forth as they can get. And I'm pretty sure he promised breakfast. But he's not here to prove that. So we, hopefully, 
hopefully that's true. So anyway, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock on Friday morning, July the 2nd. If you have a flexible schedule and you want to pitch in somewhere here around the church, they could really use uh, some help to reset the church for ministry, uh, that ministry weekend uh, on July the 2nd. Okay, so we have made it so far through uh, two chapters of of 2 Corinthians, all right? So if you've been with us, we've uh, we went through 1 Corinthians through the spring. Um, we, we started 2 Corinthians, but we're hitting, like Josh said, we're hitting some highlight points in here. In fact, I'm going to intentionally leave out some of what I think is some really good parts of the section that I'm covering today in order to leave them for the small groups because we, we just can't cover everything in our Sunday morning time. So um, we're going to see a big section of scripture, but we're only going to see that in, a, in an overview kind of idea. And then we're going to zoom in on a smaller section of scripture for our time this morning, hopefully have some good discussion time along the way. We're going to attempt to get a picture of 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4 this morning. And we've been calling this series Greater. The reason for that is that in 2 Corinthians, if you, if you trace Paul's line of thinking through the, through the book, through the letter, he, com- he continually elaborates on how something that we could perceive as rather simple or, or difficult in times, that there is a deeper and greater meaning behind it if we can focus on Christ. So overall, he's saying we should live centered on Jesus. But if we do, then we begin to see a greater vision, a greater purpose, a greater picture of what is going on in our lives so that we can understand those things more fully and make a greater impact on the world around us because we have that focus, all right? We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4, and I want to just run through a little bit of, of chapter 3, or all of chapter 3, but in, in a little bit of detail, and then the beginning of chapter 4, uh, before we kind of dive into some text, all right? Now, I want you guys to do something for me right off the bat. I want you to get talking again at your tables, okay? And if you don't have that many people at your tables, you can combine a table if you, if you need to. But what I want you to do is I want you to look at chapter 3 specifically. You can look into chapter 4 too. There's no mysteries that I'm trying to hide from you, okay? You can look in chapter 3 and, and, and chapter 4. And I want you to take advantage of those chapter headings and section headings that your Bible has. And I want you to get an idea a kind of scope of what we're going to be covering just amongst your group there, okay? And then I'm going to come back and and try to put some words to maybe those uh, chapter or section headings that might lead us down the pathway to our discussion that we're going to get in later in chapter four. But I want you guys to discuss that for, oh, let's say, uh, let's say five or seven minutes at your tables and just kind of get a picture, like an outline almost, of what's going on in these chapters, and then we'll be back together. All right? Take a minute. As we, uh, as we bring it back together here, I want you to, to think a little bit, be able to communicate just a little bit. What did you see as maybe some of the, the main points of, of what's going on in 1 Corinthians chapters 3 and then into 4 as far as you, as far as you went? Um, what do you see? What's, what's the highlights there? 
Anything? Anything stand out? The sufficiency of Christ. Yep, we're going to see... We're going to see um, the passage of scripture that actually was, was mentioned at the very end of our service this morning about how there's this veil over truth coming from the God of this world and that, that, the, that Christ is revealed through what Paul is, is preaching and that he is sufficient through all these afflictions that, he's, that Paul is experiencing and that even in that there's a greater purpose. Yeah, really good. Christ is a focus here. Anything else stand out? Ooh, all right. Yeah. So within that, though, there's a there's a distinction drawn between what happened with the law and what happens in this time of grace with the work of Christ on our behalf. So we see a, we see an elaboration of Paul on what's what was going on with Moses and now how that relates to this openness of truth that we see more in Christ. Yeah, really good. Anything else? An eternal perspective, so something greater, right? That if we get our minds off of, of the things that we're, that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, that, that we might begin to see um, those afflictions, it's the word Paul uses a lot, right? These afflictions morph into opportunities, right, of God's grace and then our ability to display that grace because of it. Yeah, almost exactly like that. Very good. All right, so if you were to, to just go through the verses um, kind of in order, what I see coming out of here is, first of all, Paul starts to allude to these letters of recommendation. All right? And he doesn't really, he doesn't really go very far with that. There are, um, there are several times in Scripture where Paul is basically, I, if I wanted to put words in his mouth, he's like, have I not done enough already? Do you need somebody to back me up? I mean, you saw it firsthand. That's kind of how he's, how he's speaking to the Corinthians here. He's, in fact, saying that they are his recommendation. They are the letters. If they just look at the history of their salvation and how God's developed the, his work in Corinth because of, of the work of Paul on through, you know, working because of Christ, then he is the recommendation uh, that's needed there. And so he doesn't really give them much, uh, much thought there. It seems that somebody in the church, you know, there's been conflict going on in Corinth for multiple letters now, multiple interactions between Paul and the, and the church. Somebody there has called Paul out for not having his credentials clearly outlined and provided for the church. And Paul just is saying, this is senseless. You've seen me, and you are a testimony of what God has done there. And so then he uh, begins to 
unload on them this idea of what God is doing now and how they've seen him work. And he describes um, their role as new covenant ministers. Sorry, that wasn't all supposed to come up at once. Now you're overloaded. But uh, we were supposed to talk about new covenant ministers. And so he, he reveals this, what we just talked about, how when Moses came down from the mountain in his interaction with God, that he had to be veiled. And that now, in our interactions with Christ, that veil is gone, and we are able to see things much more clearly. And then, we jump into chapter 4, at the beginning of chapter 4, and Paul starts to describe his style of ministry based on this truth, that now something is greater. If, if this, which was condemnation, the law has had to be veiled and now it's so much greater and it's unveiled that his style of ministry comes in verse uh, verses one and two of chapter four where he says therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God we do not lose heart but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word but by the open statement of truth we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And without spending too much time centered on himself, he, he moves directly into the, the work of Christ, the light of the gospel. And he says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And in all of this, Leading up to the passage that we're actually going to spend time in, Paul then says that this treasure, this truth, this light of the gospel of Christ, we try to contain in jars of clay. That we have this treasure. And with that, we begin to see this next phase of, of how Paul has this image of something greater than what it appears on the surface. That if we were to try to picture ourselves as worthy vessels to contain this light of the gospel, we would be deluded to understand, to think our role was that great. Paul is, is probably... Um, thinking of, I, I had the chance once to go to Israel. If you have that chance, you should, you should do it. Um, I, when I was in grad school, it was actually a class, so I got credit for it. That's absolutely how you should do it, if you have a chance. Do it. Um, it's the most expensive classes you'll take, but worth it, okay? Um, well, some of you might fly airplanes. That might be more expensive, but nevertheless. Uh, when I was there, I bought... A, um, a replica, not an actual like archaeological find, but a replica of a small oil lamp. It's just made out of clay. Um, it's really fragile. 
In fact, I let some kids hold it one time and it came back cracked. And it might have even gotten thrown away now. I, I didn't find it to bring in um, this morning to show you. But, but when Paul says, he compares the, the Christ and the light of the gospel, he starts to then talk about this treasure that's contained in jars of clay. He might have been thinking of something like that, something that's, that's fragile, that when it's cracked, it's trash. It's not something that they're going to go back and repair. They're just going to get a new one, that, that it's relatively insignificant, and yet inside of it is a treasure. And that's, that's where we are right now. That these vessels that we walk around carrying, we try to decorate up and we try to, you know, impress people with, that we're just jars of clay. And we have the privilege of having this treasure stored up in jars of clay. But the purpose of it is not to gain any credit for the jar of clay for our own weakness and our own insufficiencies. Like, we're not trying to hide that and paint it over and cover it up and make it look as good as possible. But instead, because there's this treasure in jars of clay, it allows the, the surpassing power of God to be put on display. Then when we start to see that, that we're reasonably insignificant in this cosmic conflict that's going on and yet we have been given the privilege of carrying the light of the gospel with all its glory directed back to Jesus in these jars of clay and then he continues this theme by saying we're afflicted in every way but we're not crushed we're perplexed but not driven to despair we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And we see what was mentioned earlier, the sufficiency of Christ. And it'd be easy for us, I think, for me at least, I, I'll, I'll speak for myself, that if I could legitimately say that I'm afflicted in every way, I would probably, very often, allow myself to feel crushed by that. I would allow those circumstances to monopolize my attention in such a way that I would miss the fact that I'm not actually crushed. That I do have the sufficiency of Christ and sustaining power of Christ carrying me through these things. If I continually found myself perplexed and confused, I would tend to despair. And yet, we can find peace in the mystery of our God rather than finding despair. If I was regularly persecuted, I would probably feel forsaken. You just begin to question, you know, is this is this real? If if this if I'm taking all this all these hits, is this some is it worth it? But then we would see, if we get our eyes off of our own circumstances and onto the work that Christ is doing through us, we would find that we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And Paul takes these thoughts and he describes then what, what we're trying to capture with this theme of greater, where he says that we 
are carrying, or he, in, in this case right now, but he is always carrying in his body the death of Jesus. That there is a continuation of the sufferings of Christ that he is carrying through his life. But it's for the purpose of displaying the life of Jesus through our bodies. We read this in other passages of scripture where, where we get to rejoice in the fellowship of his sufferings. And if we allow ourselves enough time to sit back and mull that over and try to wrap our minds around the reality of that, it, it might send us to that perplexed stage, right? But what we realize is that this is a privilege for us to be his repre- representation in this world. And that it comes with this cost, but because we have a greater picture that these afflictions are not worthy to be compared to the glories that will come after, that we begin to see the greater picture. And we understand our greater role in this, in this system of conflict that's happening because we get to participate in this to put him on display. For we who live are always being given over to, the, to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, which is, which is an odd thing to say, right? Death, like the ceasing of action, is actively working in you. This suffering, the continuation of the sufferings of Christ is, is at work in us who follow Jesus so that life may be in others, that we might display the life of Christ in this world to bring their attention to him. I don't know how afflicted you feel. You know, some of you might feel pretty, pretty afflicted from day to day. Some of us, uh, I think, probably ignore it or chalk it up to just life is hard sometimes. There's a lot, I think, that goes on in the... This idea, I mentioned it a minute ago, this idea of a cosmic conflict, that there is a spiritual war taking place that we overlook. We allow circumstances to be coincidence, or we allow blessings to be coincidence even, and that there's a lot at at work in this spiritual war that's going on around us that we're oblivious to, and that the more that we can buy into the active role that we take in this spiritual war that's going on around us, then the more we have the opportunity to see the greater role that we have. Paul continues on and he says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. That, um, that quote comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 116 Verse 10, I have it saved here, I'll, I'll read it to you. It's in, um, it's in a reasonably uh, long psalm for, you know, for the length of psalms. I'll just read you a couple of verses here. Uh, it's, it's almost a direct quote. He says, I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. And the psalmist here is, is seeing 
what's happening to him, but he's looking past that to the reality that God is still at work. Let me me read that again for you to, to catch what he said. I believed even when the words coming out of my mouth were, I'm greatly afflicted. Even when when that's what is on my lips, I believe that God is still at work. And even in my alarm, like the the things that are scaring me around me, I'm still the words that I'm gonna say in, in my belief are that all mankind are liars, that God is reliable and mankind is not. And it's with that faith, we have the same spirit of faith that that the psalmist is saying here, and so now we also believe and we also speak because we believe that mankind is liars and and God is the truth and we believe him and there's a greater role for us we also believe and so we speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you so he's speaking to the Corinthians that that this is going to happen to us and you're going to be there with us that we bring you into his presence For it's all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So Paul takes this greater picture and then exponentially increases it to something greater than that. So track this with me, okay? Paul's saying we're afflicted. I can accept that we're afflicted. I can accept my connection to the, to the death of Christ. Because through that, I display the light of the gospel and the life that's in Jesus. And this is for your good. So there is something bigger than my affliction because it's, it's coming out for your good. But when it comes out for your good and that is on display, now the glory of God is magnified and the thanksgiving from his people grows so that now not only am I afflicted for the benefit of somebody else but even more than that I'm afflicted in a way that brings glory to God and so when we find ourselves in these roles of life these places in life where where we're being put upon by the enemy of this world we can embrace that role. And it's not, I mean, it's easier said than done. Okay? We'll admit that. Right? We can embrace that role if we can see with the eternal perspective that was mentioned here earlier. To move past what's happening to me right now today being something that would overwhelm me, perplex me, uh, crush me, make me despair, cause me to feel forsaken. If I can look past that and see the benefit that it's carrying to the lives of other people because they are seeing the gospel in its full light of grace. And then to realize that even more than that, I'm a conduit of the thanksgiving and and glory of God coming from these people who who are seeing that grace for maybe the first time. And this is what 2 Corinthians is is really all about. That a life focused on Jesus allows you to see the greater perspective of why you're here and what difference it can make. So as as we take a few minutes to talk through what this might mean in your life, 
I want you to think about these things. In what ways have you been, or maybe in the past, maybe it's not current, have you felt or are feeling afflicted? Okay, Paul, Paul mentioned these several things in, um, in these verses. He mentioned that I, f- I feel afflicted in every way. He feels perplexed. He feels persecuted. Um, and he realizes that this isn't the truth. It's not the whole picture. But, but how might you feel afflicted? And then take that a step further. How do you think that God can use that affliction to display his grace to others? You might remember from chapter 1 when, um, when we read that, that God comforts us in our affliction so that we can then be comforters in the lives of other people. That we are then equipped with a, a toolbox that can be carried into the lives of other people and be a, a minister of blessing of grace in their lives on behalf of God. How do you think God can use that affliction to display his grace to others? And then lastly, how can you display the life of Jesus? Okay, that's, what, that's the verbiage that Paul uses in this passage, that, that by connecting with his death, I actually put on display his life. How can you display the life of Jesus to people that you meet this week? So I want you to, I want you to go through, we're, we're only really covering verses 7 through 15. And I want you to, to go back through there and I want you to say, how does this play out for me? Okay, how does this, how does my role take shape in the cosmic conflict that we're talking about? The spiritual war that's, that's a reality around us. How is God using this and what maybe am I overlooking that maybe is a way that God's going to actually be able to utilize me in the lives of other people. Okay, so we've got about 10 minutes left this morning. Um, let's just take that time and discuss these questions around the table. I'll be back at the end to just remind you of a couple of things, and, uh, and then we'll go. When you attempt to accomplish a goal, and that goal is going to have difficulty in achieving it, right? There are a couple of different ways, and depending on how much foresight you have, you, you, might, naturally, you might naturally lean towards keeping that end goal in mind. I think a lot of us look at obstacles along the way more than we look at that end goal. So sometimes you get that advice in doing things that comes across kind of just like that simplistic no pain no gain right and so you just have to endure this because there's something better and you just have this this ambiguous benefit at the end of it all and without going any further in this passage we might be tempted to leave it with that kind of ambiguity where we're just like so okay we sit back and suffer and there is something greater this week, I'm going to recommend to the small groups that you actually go into the next few verses. It's going to take you through verses 16 through 18 of chapter 4 and then verses 1 through 10 of chapter 5. And, and what Paul does here is he says, I recognize that what you're seeing then is that we're just wasting away. We're being torn apart. But there's something greater. That none of this, our momentary light affliction, is preparing us for something better. 
that as much as this earthly home is being destroyed, God is building something new for us. And so if you feel like we're leaving it hanging, then come Tuesday or Thursday. <laughs> because we're going we're gonna to take some of that and, and put, put some structure to it. So that you don't just have the no pain, no gain. you got to keep plotting because something be- We're going to actually put an image out there that says God is at work and this is what he's doing and his glory is yet to be revealed. So let's keep an eye on his glory and that will, that will give us the motivation to step through this. So that'll be our focus for small groups this week if you get a chance to go. That'll be Tuesday or Thursday. Uh, the forest will have the bonfire going on Wednesday. Uh, sign up for the hike or not so hikey hike on, if you want to. Um, we'll have a good time there. And, uh, and we look forward to having you guys back next week for, honestly, probably my favorite passage in Scripture, which is the middle of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So, um, so we're going to have a good time next week. In small groups, don't go past chapter 10, I mean verse 10. Don't you do it. Don't go past verse 10. That's my space next week. All right? Um, I'll pray for us. And then if, uh, if you're on the leadership team and you've got 10, 15 minutes, I'd love for you to just stick around for a little bit. If you've been coming or maybe this is your first time and I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, I'm going to stay right here uh, after we wrap up. And I would love to just get a chance to say hi. Um, or pray with you about something if there's something going on in your lives uh, and then and then leadership team will will meet for just a few minutes let's pray together father thank you for your goodness to us Lord thank you that um, that you actually have a purpose for the things that we go through that are difficult that, that Lord you you have a refining process that that we need to go through to become more like Jesus. And that's not even something that we talked about today, is this this refining process that's between you and us, and and we need to become more like Christ. And then, Father, as you use us in this world, there are things that, that we can go through that acquaint us with the sufferings of Jesus, but more importantly, put you on display to the world around us. And so, Father, I pray that we would display the life of Jesus this week to the people that we come into contact with. Father, I pray in your grace that you would grow us. Make us aware of how you want to use us, that we would be effective ministers on your behalf to the world around us this week. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, have a great afternoon, and we'll see you next week.